thanks for joining us again for, I think, our third episode now of Lessons of the Woods by Ten Point Whitetails. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Wall Hanger Taxidermy of Cable, Wisconsin. Great guy, does excellent taxidermy work. Uh, I'm your host, Dylan Porter, and with me I have a co-host, friend of the show. I don't know, what, what, what do we call you at this point? The just ex- just the Kyle. Expert. The expert? We have our expert. <laughs> Want to be expert. The wannabe expert, uh, Kyle Weber with us here in his basement so yeah he's gonna be here uh so <laughs> am i not invited? <laughs> you're not invited nope not anymore uh today we're gonna go through our 10 points uh which is the foundation of 10 point whitetails you know what what are the 10 points that we want you to focus on or that we focus on when we're doing uh whitetail consulting yep okay so uh the first one uh goals it's, it's important to come up with goals for your property because it's going to define how you set up everything what do you want to accomplish on your land to and how do you how do you get there so for would you take us through an example there of what you did well i'll use a, a potential client that we talked to last night he shot a couple nice deer mm-hmm. um but his property is a challenge to to hold the deer the deer traveling and getting shot by neighbors and stuff like that the first question to him is what are your goals? What are your goals for your property? Do you want to, you know, I my first step is age class. What kind of deer do you want to shoot? Yeah. Do you want to shoot a 100-inch 2-year-old? Do you want to let them get to 5 years old and shoot them at 150 inches? You know, what is your premise there? But also, do you want to shoot one a year? Yeah. Five a year? Do you have a big family and a 40-acre partial and you want to shoot seven deer a year? Yeah. Yeah, th- those matter to your, your planning for for the property. So um, age class. How many deer you want to How many deer you want to shoot? How many people are involved in the hunt? Yeah, how many stand locations do you need? Yeah. Um, I have three little kids that are going to, I hope, be involved in hunting. Mm-hmm. Technically, during gun season, if we're all going to sit, I need four stands. Yeah. My land's a little bigger. I probably could get away with that. So right now I have three locations. So, you know, at that point, if all three are hunting, I might not hunt. I might be just guiding. Sit with the youngest and... Yep. So three stands is enough at that point. Yeah. Um, But if you want to... You, your wife, your dad, your brother, you know, bigger families, you got to think about those things for goals. Yeah. So... And uh, also, is it just white till you want to have, or do you want to have bear on there? Do you want to have turkey? I mean, what what type of situation do you want to house? Yep. What all do you want to hunt on the property? That all has to be taken into consideration, but we're going to focus mostly on the white tails. Yeah. Um, Wits End is 100% white tail. I have expressed an invite for bear hunting because mm-hmm. we do have a couple bear in there that we'd like to get rid of. I have opened the door for a buddy or two to, to do some turkey hunting. Okay. Um but that's in the off season like that's spring turkey yeah uh we're not gonna bear bait we're not gonna run dogs we're not gonna do any anything negatively impact impacting the deer we won't do yeah we want to harvest some of these animals because the bears are affecting you know obviously predator predator control also. predator control they're messing up your food plots and we have a lot of turkeys in wisconsin yeah they're all over the place they're almost a nuisance so i think we saw like 15 or 20 yesterday in the only field we drove by yeah. in the whole area but there was a bunch of them out there so but all of that is uh, the wits end is whitetail. Yeah. That is a hundred percent the priority. Anything we're doing is to help the whitetail, yeah. getting rid of predators and whatnot. So, 
So once you establish your goals, uh, the first thing we have on our list here is betting. Either find where they're betting or create betting. Yep. So our last episode, we talked a little bit about hinge cutting, which would help create betting. Is there anything you kind of want to add to that? Or we kind of covered that pretty good last episode. Yeah. um, The betting has to be in in a specific spot. If you're going to blow the betting up by walking by it, driving by it or putting all of your scent in the bedding yeah it's absolutely pointless it's you're hurting yourself at that point um so specifically putting the bedding where it needs to be and um where the best place for it to be which would be a location where you're just you don't go in there it's sanctuary sanctuary yep and um uh it's it's how big yeah Five hunters, five tree stands, and you want to harvest five big bucks a year? We need to do a lot of betting. Yeah. Very, you know, very big hinge cuts. Smart, though. Like, and we talked about this. Betting isn't about just cutting the trees down. It's about creating edges, creating thickness, um, visual impairment for the deer, for us. Yeah. Um, So the betting does five or six things. Every can, time you create that, yeah, and it doesn't have to be one great one great big bedding. You could have smaller pockets, so they can because deer they are a herd animal, but they don't necessarily the bucks don't want to be together. They're going to want to spread out a little bit. But if you drop a big oak tree or or a big maple, let's say, yeah, and it's forty feet long, running across the running across the ground, there's six beds you just made. Exactly, the buck can be at the at the top, two dollars can be by the base. I mean, you've created a lot of bedding spots for them just by dropping one tree. So you don't need to go clear cut forty acres no. and and expect to do something with that. That's that's extreme. So, um, but betting's important. One of the most important things I think um, in well, our in if our there's system. No betting, they're going to leave. They they need a place to be able to stay there and be comfortable. Yep. And that's you know in essence, if your bedroom is there, and the hunter is out your bedroom door, right out there, you're going to see they're, we're going they're going to see you first. Yeah. So your bedding wants to be where it's at. You want to be able to get as close to that without being impacting on the on the bedding, because um, then you're going to get the first crack at them, first yeah. visual of them compared to your neighbors. So yeah, and then uh, so then that would lead us right into food because you want to set up your food plots or your food sources in such a way where they're going to be coming from the bedding. Yeah. So uh, and with food, there on the farm we would always say it takes three things to grow a trophy white-tailed deer. You got to have genetics, which I mean. Every animal has genetics, but how good are they? You want to have the better the genetics, so obviously you're going to have bigger animals. Uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin do have very good genetics. you got to have age. You can have the best genetics in the world, but if the buck only lives to be two years old, he's still only a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. He needs to get to that three- to four-year-old age because that's when they really mature. And food, and that's the big one. Food. 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 Go ahead. So there's no magic food that you can feed your deer to make them bigger they're still constrained by their genetics and we covered this a little bit last time too but if the deer in your area aren't doing well if they're hungry if they look thin if you can see their ribs or see their hips all summer long which on a doe is not uncommon because they're nursing but if your bucks especially your mature bucks are showing ribs all summer and if it's just one that that one's sick but if it's all of them it's fair to assume that your deer aren't healthy or they're not they're not getting their their the nutrients they require. So, like on what's end before you started working out there, there was no food source. We walked around out there, and there's just a, a tiny little bit of hazelnut brush on one end, but there's no underbrush, there's no twig ends. There's nothing for them to eat. No, nope. and and they're gonna go from the bedding at that point out. 
Yeah. So, um, but there's no one all be all. When we talked to the the client last night, he's like, "Well, do I just have to have better food there?" There is no better food. The corn's not better than soybeans. Soybeans not better, or uh, rape isn't better than clover. And it it does depend on the deer. They will have certain tastes they like. They but will. There's not like, well, this is the best. But most importantly, it's seasonal. Yeah. Rape. The moment that first frost hit, and all of them sugars come out. That is what they want. Yeah, and if when you can f- have that dwarf SX rape at peak height yep. before it goes to seed, yes. you can feed your deer herd all year long, yep. all and, winter long. And if the corn's just cut, that's priority. The seeds, if, if the pod, or uh, with soybeans, if the pods are there, that's what they want. So yep. their their taste that day is going to change. But if you have clover and Joe Blow down the road has soybeans, soybeans are preferred. But it yep. all depends at the time. It depends on their protein needs. It depends on what they're looking for. But having something year-round. So we were talking yesterday, I think, about a, a food plot that uh, I think Domain sells it that comes up right away in the winter or in the spring. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So and <laughs> in March, April, May, the snow is melting, but there's no tree growth. Yep. Nothing is budding at that point. So with that seed blend... Um, instantly in the springtime, the clover and everything else shoots up. Yeah. So, and I'll take pictures of it next spring, but once the snow melt's starting to go away, trees are not budded, my my food plot's going to be solid green. And it'll be the first green thing that grows. That grows and it's in the woods. So right when they're struggling at their most important time, does are... They're making fawns. They're, they're, they're full to... on with the fawn in their yeah. belly. They need something, and it's been a tough winter, I'm sure, because it's yeah. Wisconsin. Um, that'll be green, and and now I've reinserted the fact that my spot is the best spot to eat. Yeah. So, um, and year round is important. If you can have food year round, you're going to establish what's called a resident doe herd, and a resident doe herd is going to attract bucks, yep. which just makes the hunting all the better. Yep. Uh, but we're going to move on from food. There's a lot more stuff we can go talk about with food. <laughs> <laughs> we could be here for quite a while. Uh, so access is yeah. point number four. Um, my bedding locations on Wits End are based on my access. My food plots are based on my access. Um, the design shape of the food plot based on the access. And uh-huh. that's how you get to your stand easily without being seen what direction you can come in depending on the wind. Yep. Access because of wind, uh, how you access quietly um, so you don't make a bunch of rackets. So if you're going to go through a big old pine plantation mm-hmm. and crack every branch, step on every branch as you walk through, you're hurting yourself. Yeah. Um, at wit's end, I can get in quietly. Visually, no, nothing can see me. Yeah. There can be a 300-inch deer Sitting in the middle of my food plot, he won't watch me. He can't see me get in my tree stand. Yeah. Access is key. And, and some people are limited. Some yeah. people can only access from the north side. Some people can only access from the south side. Um, that changes it. But it, you ha- everything's based off access mm-hmm. as far as design factors for, for if we go to a go to a property for a client, we – how do you get in here? Yeah. Everything steps off of that. Yeah, because so. you you can have a good food plot, but if there's no way to get to it without being seen or spooking the deer off it, you're just defeating the purpose of yep. everything. Yeah, everything's going to run off, yep. and then they're going to come in at night. Yeah, and if they come in at night, you're you're not going to be able to harvest an animal. So uh, it takes you you bust them off that food plot once, 
Yeah. And this, I would say the season's mostly... It does depend on the area and what your deer are used to, but for this area, where they're not maybe used to having people running around all the time, yep. or vehicles or tractors, they don't have that park mentality that people talk about. Yep. And you said that. The tools to your access. Yeah. If you drive in with your truck and shut it off and go to your tree stand and they're used to that daily, Mm -hmm. because you live there, let's just say. Let's say you live on the hunting property. They'll get used to that. Yeah. You see the deer in the field. If you drive by, them deer aren't going to even look at you. But if you slow the vehicle down, their heads pop up and they're like, what are you doing? Yep. Um, And we've seen this actually in in our wild hunting. Uh, I think, I don't remember if dad or my older brother... But somebody was in a tree stand, bow hunting, and the person right behind them was getting out late, whether it was me or dad or whoever. But yep. in our group, somebody was getting out late, somebody was already on stand, and we had to kind of drive by on the four-wheeler, which are the deer in our property, and this is the wild property, are used to four-wheelers. We're driving four-wheelers every day. We go around our fence line. We check things pretty much every day with a four-wheeler, thousands of miles on four-wheelers every year. Uh, so whoever was sitting, and I wish I could remember details better, but they saw a buck or a doe just kind of moseying along through the brush, kind of off, right off the side of the four-wheeler trail or on the four-wheeler trail. And now here comes a four-wheeler. It walked in the woods 10 feet behind some brush, stood there, four-wheeler went by, deer walked right back out and kept doing what it was doing. But they're used to the four-wheeler. So yep. that's something you can use to your advantage when you're talking about access. We, anytime we go on Wits End, um, there's been a couple times where I've needed the truck up there, mm-hmm. but few, few, few times. But any other time I access the wits end, it's on it's on the side by side. So they hear the side by side start up. They hear it drive in. They hear it drive out. And they're they're used to it. That's that's norm. Um, I would love if I could have a buddy drop me off. Yeah. But uh, have more people. It, the whole thing. But yeah. doing everything the same way matters. Yeah. Especially with access. If you're going to walk in this way, if you're going to put the tax on the tree and you're going to access, you have to follow that. Because even if they're over the ridge top or over the hill or, or just down there and they see you walk that same trail and you've never harmed them, never scared them, nothing, they will let you do it again. Mm-hmm. If you go from this, if you come from the south one time, the north the next time, east for the next time, they don't just, know what's going on. You're shaking everything up. Deer are creatures of habit. Yep. They like to have the same thing be the same way every day. Yep. And we actually have, uh, farther down, we have another thing called patterning. Yeah, so we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, weather real quick. Weather can affect all sorts of stuff. So when we've done the hunts at the farm, there's certain days where we just won't. It's like 90 degrees in September. There's no reason to sit in the morning because they're not going to be moving. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to sit uh, before probably five or six o'clock because they're just not going to move. It's too hot. But now, like yesterday, we had kind of a rainy day, and mm-hmm. you had deer moving all day long. Yep, one o'clock in the afternoon when we were out there, they were on the north end, but it was a nice cool day. So. They could take advantage of that weather and get out there. Um, it's been stormy lately. Some fronts coming through. Um, and it's really messed with their pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's weather dependent. So um, you look for fronts. I won't hunt. I won't sit until the weather does the right thing, which yeah. is usually a, a 20 degree drop. So if you look at the weather and it's 50 or let's just say 70, 72, 70, 72, 72, and all of a sudden that Thursday it's 50 degrees at, in the evening, Yeah, I'm going to be sitting. And that's – it's not because they're cold and they have to eat more. It's just there's a there's a system, there's a pressure, and there's this weather drop. And them deer, whatever's in their brain tells them, hey, things are different. I'm going to get up early. Yeah. And uh, I, I high percentage days for sure. Um, 
and if you go on on a, on a 90 degree day you're gonna sit in that tree stand and sweat and be if, uncomfortable and if you're uncomfortable the deer are uncomfortable yeah so yeah. there's no there's i i don't think there's ever a reason to hunt in a 90 degree day it's no. just don't do it because the deer are in well in deer season yeah they already got their winter coat coming in they are not happy with right. an unseasonably hot day yeah they like it to be cool october 1st is 90 degrees don't even go sit yeah because especially in october they're their hair's you know three quarters of an inch to an inch long already they're go wear your winter coat and go sit in your tree stand and see yeah. how comfortable and, you are and wind direction is is equally as important to me as i have three stands here two are relied rely on the normal wind pattern mm-hmm. from the north uh northwest um but i also have a stand that has a wind for the south yeah. So if there's a direct wind from the south and I have to go sit and I'm just itching or whatever, I have an option. I have an option for that access that will allow for that wind to give me the best chance I have. I'm not going to sit in that stand a lot Yeah. because there's a, not a south wind often. And usually a south wind is a warm wind where yeah. a northwest wind is cold. Yeah. So I catered to the northwest wind, but options. So weather and wind and and temperature are all pretty important when it comes to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, number six, our sixth point here is uh, predator control. Well, pressure. Predator control is the first bullet point under pressure. Uh, pressure can really affect how your deer are moving. If the pressure changes, you know, whether it is predators or too many hunters or whatever, things change. Like we had talked about earlier, when you were hunting public land, the bow hunting, you had the deer pattern, you had trail cameras, but as soon as it got more closer to rifle season and the hunt, the pressure changed cameras fell apart (laughs) the deer changed everything i had daylight pictures um 300 pictures a week on you know Mm -hmm. i have cell a bunch of cell cameras now but before you had to go pull the card so i'd go pull the card every week yeah every week three to 350 pictures every week um the week before rifle season so everybody's going in there setting their tree stands yeah uh it went down to nothing 50 photos maybe Yeah. yeah and then I checked it after gun season, and on Saturday morning, I had a bunch of deer that night before opener, but then I didn't have a straggler here or there, but the, it went from 300 to 50, 50, yeah. and and that's just because the pe- people are all of a sudden in the woods that never are in the woods, so um, that's a huge pressure thing, and you, you deal with that at the farm. That's a perfect, you can control we everything. You can control everything, so in our... In my dad's farm, the white-tailed deer there, they don't have any pressure. There's no, I mean, other than us doing chores and stuff like that, but there's no predators. And in a perfect world with no predator control, they're they're not stressed out. We actually do a lot of bug spraying too, which that's something to keep in mind. If you have, if you have a, a really buggy area and the deer are just running for their lives from mosquitoes all day long, do a lap around your food plot with some spray. And you'll create an area for the bedding areas. If you can do that quietly, you don't want to shake yeah. that up too much. but. We've done that to our food plots on the farm, and we'll have bucks and does will lay 30, 40 yards off the food plot where the bug spray is because they don't want to be getting eaten alive. Uh, I have a tip for that on on the podcast that we talk about pressure. Mm-hmm. So point number six, I have a tip on horse flies. Oh, so good. Rem- well, this video will be out there, so hopefully I'll remember. Yeah. But uh, there's a tip for that that I'll sh- share on that podcast. Horse flies are awful. The worst, awful thing, worst thing ever. But yeah. – um, I have a tip for that that I really – it's not mine. I did not create it, but I, I watched it on a, a YouTube video, and it was mind-blowing. So Awesome. 
yeah, so pressure, how pressured your deer are can change how comfortable they are with staying there. It can change their patterns, their behaviors. Uh, and the biggest one for me is predator control. Because if you got coyotes going in, bears, wolves, everything else, uh, they do say that a bear is the only animal that can smell a newborn fawn. Because uh, they're pretty much scent free at birth. So bears cause a lot of problems with fawns. I know a guy in Minnesota a few years ago had a trail camp set up over a coyote den. And uh, they, he, they counted the coyote brought back 26 fawns. One, one coyote den, 26 fawns. Yep. That's hard on your population. Yep. And if you want to, if your goal is to have more deer on your property or healthier deer, you got to start with predator control. And it, but if you don't have a lot of predators in the area, that's a whole different belt. You're already ahead of the goal. But you have to remember too, just because you don't see that wolf or that coyote or that bear doing that specific damage, doesn't mean it's not happening. No, bobcats too. You'd be shocked at how many bobcats take deer. Oh yeah, um, we, we've had mature bucks in our fence come back with bobcat claws scratch marks on their butt. Yep. We had one bobcat get in, and bobcats can climb. So, you mm-hmm. know, an eight-foot fence ain't stopping a bobcat. Yeah. Yep. And it took three or four fawns before we were able to catch it. You know, it'd, catch, it'd kill the fawn, drag it through the fence or up to the fence, and we're out of fawn. Yep. You know? Yep. But just because you're not seeing it doesn't mean that predator problem isn't there. Yeah. Um, cameras can help, but don't think because you didn't see it that they're not there. It's yeah. it's, it's an inevitable thing, especially out in the wild. Um. Man, if you look, if you like going coyote hunting, that's a good. That's you're only doing doing yourself a favor. With it's that. it's fun. You're helping the deer population, and that's. I mean, there's no drawbacks. No, no. It, you get to shoot more stuff, more gun practice, more bullets to buy. Yeah, I don't think anybody complains about well buying maybe, but shooting everybody's having fun. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, so moving on from predator pressure, uh, there's a lot we could talk about. That we're going to do a whole podcast on that at some we're point. Gonna, we're actually going to do. The goal is to do a podcast for every point so we can go in-depth, so we can spend half hour, 45 minutes on each topic to go through the stuff. This is just an introductory. So you can be like, hey, I'm going to wait until the sixth video because I want to yeah. really hear what we have to say about weather and, yeah. and stuff like that. So, so There's all sorts of stuff to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, point number seven, sign, which, I mean, if you don't have sign, you don't have deer. So last year, October I was walking through the woods, and I found a natural spot. Um, it was they came down a hill, they hit kind of a flat plateau spot, and they went back down into the bedding, or thicker stuff, which I assumed was the bedding. Mm-hmm. Um, n- no sign necessarily, maybe a couple tracks, maybe some um, deer poop, kind of stuff like that around there. But as I started sitting there, that became a hot spot for rubs and scrapes, and I realized that. I picked the right spot on luck and out of a fluke, but I realized that was a spot based on the sign, that that was yeah. just the natural way they returned back to the bedding area. And that's actually where I shot this deer was that was that spot. But the sign told me I did it right. Yeah. I didn't, it was educated guess, but it was all guess. But the yeah. sign cemented the fact that I, what I had done is right. Um, What's different sign means different things. Just because you see poop doesn't mean you're not just over by the by the does. Yeah, um, a bed you have to really pick what is this bedding a doe bedding? Is it a big bed? Is it a little bed? Yep. Yep. Uh, and you know, rubs and scrapes are obviously bucks, but does will use a scrape. Yep. 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 I have I have a mock scrape that I have, and um, every deer visits it. Yeah. So it's it's communal. It's a community scrape. 
but it makes you allows you to get a registry of what's going on in there. And it actually allows the box to do inventory. Yep, is what it does. Because you to do inventory. Everybody gets to do inventory, which <laughs> is great because they're basically it's like going, I don't know, to a whiteboard. They write their phone number on it. This is phone number, name. This is who I am. Yep. Then this is what I smell like. And uh, they say there's seven things that a, a, a deer can tell from another deer's urine. So I'm gonna have to look into that a little bit further because I don't remember all seven. Sure. But they can tell how old the deer is. They can tell how healthy it is. They can tell what it ate last. Hmm. They can tell when she's gonna come into heat. They can tell gender. And that's six right there. Wow. So they can tell, they learn a lot and from they, the urines. They all visit it. Mm-hmm. They rub their face. Again, if there's a rubbing branch and they pee next to it or pee on it, I mean, it's it's a hot spot. And yeah. every deer at some point is going to cross that. So if you're sitting over or sitting in a, in a scrape line, you're going to see a lot of activity um, and be able to use that sign. Trails, same thing. We were at, We were at the other property yesterday and it's like, this trail's here. This trail's here. This is how they cut through this thick stuff. And it's, we got to pick our shooting spots. Mm-hmm. And you were actually walking as if you were the deer and I'm in the tree stand. It's like, okay, but if he gets here and he goes right, when's the next shot? And we're like, well, yeah. he's, I can't wait till that point because he's then he's gone. And those trails can just tell you just naturally how they flow through it. Yeah, it's 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 they've already established the travel pattern there. So sign is super, super useful. Yeah. Uh, and we reading can go it, into all sorts. Reading it is really important yeah. too. So. like. We're not going to talk about this, but just teaser for future here. You can tell what time of day a buck made a rub. Yep. Okay. We, we'll talk about I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to show up to that podcast <laughs> for that one because that's uh, very interesting. Yep. So you can learn. You can tell when, when you should sit, whether you should do a morning or evening sit based on the rub. Okay. All right. But there's a little bit more that goes into it than that. We'll get there. Uh, point number eight, patterning. And this is – there's a lot to dig into here. Uh, I think at some point I'll talk about how to understand what a trophy whitetail is thinking to help yep. develop patterns. We're not going to dive into that right now because that is literally a 45-minute to an hour-and-a-half seminar that I've done bef- I've done in front of crowds. My dad's done it. PowerPoint, the whole works. That is a whole entire thing. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> but with patterning, what have you seen in patterning with just, just on your new property here with Wits End? You've already developed patterns. It's the biggest thing. It's uh, it's wild that I can watch via the cameras where these deer are going and getting their schedule down, getting their pattern based on weather. Mm-hmm. This buck will only move when it's a, a west wind. He, that's the only time he'll come out is this west wind. But I'm I can watch based on the cameras. I can watch the buck, the bachelor group now. In essence, if I'm sitting in my tree stand, I can watch them come from the left bedding, mm-hmm. food, food, and go to the other right bedding. The next morning, they go to that food plot, come out of that right bedding, and go left, right to left. Yeah. Next night, left to right, right to left. And it's not always perfect, but they sometimes they show up on the north end. But I can I can gauge that pattern and it's it's that pattern is going to change. Once they hardhorn, once the rut kicks in, yeah. once winter happens, mm-hmm. those patterns change, but they're still patterns. These deer are purely um, purely creatures of habit. You make a habit, they get yeah. a habit, and if you can read that pattern, you can be at the right spot at the right time to, to harvest that animal, the right animal. Yeah. I have, I've had guys tell me before they've patterned a deer to the point where they know every day they drive by this field, 702, we'll say, this buck shows up on the field every day without fail now it's not that the buck knew it was 702 yeah no but he knew in his internal clock 
this is what time of day I'm hungry. This is what time I go here to eat. This is when I do these things. Mm-hmm. Now, daylight changes can affect it. There's, I mean, weather, wind, yep. everything. Yep. But right now, I'm, I'm watching these deer feed midday. The worst mm-hmm. thing that happens is when we dump a, bile, a bunch of piles of corn, no. the deer automatically become nocturnal. Yeah, because their patterns are all changing. They're going to and, they're going to point A to feed, and they can do that at at night. Yeah, um, a food plot or natural grazing, a natural meandering that the deer do, they just wander, and you get daylight pictures when the bedding's in the right spot, the bedding is the right way, and the food plot's in the right position. And depending on wind, um, the deer will walk right through. Yeah, and I have tons and tons and tons of daylight pictures right now, and I hope they hold that pattern for another month because that'd be I'm, ideal. I'll be yeah. tagged out pretty quick. Yeah. Right now, if it was season, I'd have my tag wrapped around some antlers right now. But yeah, um, that's what's fun and patterning. Once you figure it out, is absolutely great. So, yeah, and these cameras are game changers because you don't even have to look at the time of day the pictures are sent anymore because it's it or the pictures are taken because it just shows up on your phone. Uh, so that's a huge game changer. Not sponsored by them, but recommend them if it's within your within your budget because it's 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 a it's amazing. It's a budget thing. Mm-hmm. It's a you gotta figure out what you want to put into it. Um, but to be able to get a picture of of a deer in my food plot right now and yep. look up at the weather and be able to put a mental note that it's raining or winds this way or the sun's out or the storm's mm-hmm. coming. It's hard to do that when you're looking through an SD card the next day. Yeah, or a week later. A week later, and you're like, what happened on Tuesday? What was going on? Yeah. So these these cameras have been, and I was reluctant, man. I was like, no way. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't need that. But I, I, I wish we had back. them when I was younger because Dad would send us out to check the trail cameras at, you know, 9. or And we do it late at night, but our deer are used to four-wheelers. So it would be like, you know, 11.30, midnight. Hey, go check the camera so we know where the deer are at tomorrow. And we, it'd be a mile four-wheeler drive in the dark sure. and checking seven cameras and normally raining, always raining. Yeah. You know, and it's – but now it's just your phone dings and you got the photo. Side side note, it's not it's not a point. It's not one of our – on our system. But putting these cell cameras where you don't want to go really tight to a sanctuary, really tight to a bedding or on a trail that's really pushing mm-hmm. the boundaries of being – You're in their space. You're in their space and you can do damage. So I go in there once, set the camera – and you don't go in there until the batteries are dead. And if the batteries are dead during the moment of hunting or the best weekend to sit, you let that camera sit there. Yeah. And to get all of that information on a daily basis without having to constantly go in and, and wreck that sanctuary, yeah, that's huge. One of mine is actually listed sanctuary yeah, because it's about 10 feet from what I would consider a, a, the buck bed. I yeah. went in there. I said it is watching a buck bed and in their main corridor through the bedding area that we created – I ain't gonna touch it till the batteries are dead. Yep. So that's right that's huge, and I'm getting that still getting that information rather than it being too late. So, yeah. uh, so point number nine, moving right along here, stand location. Kind of self-explanatory, but also not because you have to factor in the patterns, this, where the sign is. I mean, everything we've talked about to this point is going to dictate where you put your stands. Mm-hmm. If and that changes. You could sit. You're like, this is the tree. Mm-hmm. You set it up, and that buck, the buck of your lifetime, walks by, but he's at 50 yards, and you just can't take that shot with your bow. Now you're gonna be like, oh, that stand. I won't let that happen again. Yeah. You move your stand location. But I set up my Titan blind on the food plot. If, if I'm sitting in my food plot looking 
or if I'm sitting in my Titan blind looking over the food plot, my left is a 40 yard shot. Yeah. My right's a 30 and my straight back is about a 30. That location is perfect. I could put it all the way on one end and it probably would have helped my access. It'd been mm-hmm. a lot less work for my access. So you went to be able to make the bow shot to the pond. If he's at the pond, it's 80 yards. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there are people who are confident in that. We haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm not interested in doing that. Too many things can happen. Yeah. If if you told me 80 yard shot or 30 yard shot, I'm taking the 30. Yeah. Even if you said 40 or 20, I'm gonna do the 20. It's just there's more guarantees and in a, in a safe, healthy harvest. Your margin of error is less. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so my stand location at that spot is specifically making it so I can cover that entire food plot in all forms and matter. So that if that deer hoof hits mm-hmm. that food plot, hits the clover, hits the turnips. I can shoot technically, yeah. and that's that's important. And it it borders off of access. It borders off of wind direction, but that stand location can change. And the more you sit, and the more these deer operate around you, create you'll learn more. Yeah, a tightened blind is harder to move. Yep. Um, the TR outdoor blinds with the wheels a lot more flexible. I can move that box blind around in 10 minutes yeah. with a side-by-side. So you're loud. You're, you're, your UTV is making some noise. But I can have that totally reset up in 10 minutes because um, of the wheel system on it. But hang on tree stands. If this tree put you five yards out of shooting, move it. Yeah. And find or a- my personal favorite, climber stands, which I know aren't for everybody. No. Yeah. But that's as simple as, okay, he was out of range. I take my tree stand down at the end of the night, walk over to that tree, tie it onto the base of the tree, and or carry it out with me, depending on the situation, private land versus public. Uh, next night I go sit. I go, well, he was right there. I'm going to set up here, climb up the tree. He, he never knows you're there. Yep. Uh, side note for when we do this podcast for stand location, I have a story, and I'm saying it now so I can read this, listen to this podcast and remember, remember the story, but uh, lucky number seven. Mm-hmm. That big, not big, he's the, the, the tiny seven yeah. that was just a stud of a deer. Um, stand location, I moved that stand location 20 yards and harvested them. And the only reason I harvested that animal was because of changing my stand location from night to the next night. Yeah. So say it all on this podcast so that when we get to that podcast, I can remember to tell that story because that's a perfect example of stand location. Absolutely. Uh, so this brings us to our 10th point. I think Are we we're doing ready for to time? Go there. Uh, we're doing good. 34 minutes. Perfect. So, yeah. Perfect. Uh, so, once you get to, once you figure out all of these things, now we start the plan. And this is where 10 point whitetails comes in our consulting. And we factor in all of the previous nine things to come up with a plan that best suits your property. Yes. So, if, if we come meet with a client, we, we're going to talk about uh, habitat improvements. We've asked all these questions. Yeah. We usually do it over breakfast, and we're going to talk about all of these things with the client. And then we're going to get to number 10. And now it's our job to design to hit all of your points, to hit all of your requests as a client, and what your goals are, and what what you have for stand locations, what you have for food plots, what mm-hmm. you have for trails, sign. Um, the plan then is developed by us as we do boots on the ground on the property. And we cover all of these bases for this. Yeah. And when we're done with a client, when we're done with that property, mm-hmm. you have a plan. Hopefully it hits every goal or we prioritize. Yeah. If we can't give you food plots, but we can give you stand locations, we'll do that. But 
were thorough through that process. And that's yeah. why 10 point whitetails is 10 points because the, the 10th one, the plan, mm-hmm. is what everybody wants, what everybody needs, and um, it takes a lot of years to develop. So one one visit will get us started, but it's yeah. going to take years after that to develop it in real life. Yeah. And what we also do that's slightly different than most, we'll give you a plan. We'll develop this plan for you. But if you feel so inclined that you have us come and help you expedite the system to get it all implemented, we'll come there. Yeah. We'll bring the equipment. We'll till up some food plots. We'll hinge cut. We'll create the bedding for you. If you want us to provide the Titan blind, TR outdoor blind, uh, some trophy tree stands, yeah. and put them in for you, we'll do that and put the plan in the woods and help you create that so it doesn't take five years. What yeah. we're doing here, we've done a lot this year, but there, it's a five-year plan. Yeah. And the list gets a little smaller as we go. Yeah, the first year is always going to be the biggest. You're breaking ground, yeah. starting new projects, whether you're digging a pond or moving dirt around or anything i mean there's a lot to do yep and and if you try to do it all in one year it's going to be tough on you yeah and you don't need to do it all no because things might change if if one year that that pond just didn't work doesn't hold water yeah you can ixnay that plan and we can reevaluate that the next year and, and do something different but we use all of these points hence the system mm-hmm. um give you everything we can for your goals we set that plan up we can come do the work. We can come put put the trees down, put the food plots in, and we can create hopefully an improvement. Yeah. If not the the, the perfect property for you. Yeah. Um, it's it's your property. It's your goals, and some people have different priorities. And that's why you got to you, you. There's no one size fits all. This mm-hmm. has got to be. We look at your plan. We look at what you want to do, and then we say this is what we would do to make your property ideal for your needs yeah and it's and it's it's important to stick to your goals it's, yeah. it's important to stick to what you because what we do at mine isn't going to do this have the same effect and get you to the same spot where you want to be as on your property yeah so it's so. you got to be able to read each one of these points and you got to be able to understand each one of these situations and adjust there's no plan so we don't come there and go well here's your plan Put food in, put bedding in, good to go. See you later. Yeah. If it was that easy, there wouldn't be f- 50 consultants or 100 I don't even know how many consultants there are. There's probably quite a few. Everything's based on opinion and experience. Yeah. Um, and I would think we both bring a lot of experience to the table. Uh, we bring some results to the table already with your with your property here. And what we're doing, too, at, at that point is with, 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 with wit's end, say that three times fast, <laughs> Um we're doing big woods. We're not doing the Midwest where there's egg, 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 and then a little patch of woods. That's not that it's easy to hunt, but that's that's a lot simpler. They're eating there. They're bedding here. That's A and B. Yeah. Big woods like this where there's 4,000 acres and I'm right next to the National Forest. There's no di- – the diversity is not that way. It's yeah. not black and white. There's a gray you area. You have to make your land appealing. Yep. And there's ways to do that on a 40 with egg around it. There's ways to do it in a big woods, but that's not the same way. Yep. And it can't be the same way. Right. And, and you could have five different people come to your property and uh, and give you how to fix your property. And it's going to be five different answers. Yeah. But with with your expertise when it comes to deer and deer hunting and what deer need mm-hmm. to develop their genetic potential, that's huge. 
the excitement I have for creating uh, deer habitat. It's a very beneficial. It's a deadly combination. Yeah. So I think we got some good stuff moving forward. Uh, but I think we covered the ten points as briefly as we could. I yep. know we went pretty in depth on a couple of them. Uh, but our plan moving forward is, I don't know, maybe right away or maybe not. We're not. I don't know if we're hundred percent sure yet. But we're going to do ten more episodes for sure. Yep. One on each point. Yep. So we're going to move forward with that, and uh, then we'll see from there. But I don't know about you, but I would like, I would love to get some fan questions and do maybe one episode every now and then where we just answer questions, or at the end of every episode, that's something we can. Yeah, I would consider. welcome. I would welcome anybody to go to the Facebook page and message us. Yeah. Any question? Just if even. I mean, we don't have a Facebook Live yet. Um, I don't think you guys want to see us live. Yeah. <laughs> if you do, let us know. But um, message us comments or questions about any of these ten points, and I think we're going to start making some posts too that clarify each each ten. So comment on there, and and we'll use that as to be able to answer directly to those questions and those different scenarios. Yeah, so then they can comment on Facebook. Uh, You can comment on Instagram. We'll see it there anyway. And then we also have an email address. Yep. Uh, So you can email us at 10point, I believe it's 10pointwhitetails at gmail.com. Double check that. So it's 10pointwhitetails at gmail.com, and that is the number 10, like 10, not T-E-N. Yep. So you can email us there, Facebook message, Instagram, uh, YouTube at some point here. We're going to have that up and rolling. This is going to be available on YouTube. So, yep. 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 Uh, podcast will be available Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Spotify for sure. So like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, the support means a lot to us. We like yep. we like interacting with people. We love whitetails, love what we're doing. If, if you don't want to hear us or see us, we'll shut the camera off and me and Dylan can talk for six hours about hunting. All day long. We did that yesterday. We did, so. yeah. So, um, but if you comment, you post, you you engage a little bit, we'll know that we're doing it right, mm-hmm. and and we can kind of cater to those. If if the ten points are done, and we need we need to know what the next topic is for deer hunting. We talked about three this morning at yep. breakfast. Yeah. But um, that'll help us. That'll make give you what you want and what you want to know. So comment, message, email us, whatever you need, whatever you want, and we'll uh, we'll read it. So, yeah. so I think we're good. I think we're good. Thanks. Awesome. Three, is, three in the bag. We're making progress. Three in the bag, and uh, the next one, I believe, maybe will be either viral and or up at your house. Video chat. Video chat. Hopefully viral. I hope it goes I viral. Love viral. That'd yeah. be great. That'd be a quick jump start. Yeah. yeah. But potentially up in Minnesota. Yeah. So we yeah. got a couple things going on. Sneak peek that we're gonna probably do a hunt. Me and Dylan are gonna go for a hunt. Yeah, and maybe another hunt later in the year in a different state, potentially. And then maybe another hunt later in the year back home, back here at Whitsand yeah. Ridge. But I will be manning the camera. <laughs> That's gonna be dangerous. Yeah. But and I'm gonna do my best with my bow hunting at home. I'm gonna try to uh, try to film that to some extent sure. myself. So I got to get a couple pieces of equipment so I can self film. Yeah. But um, lots of things are happening. Yeah. We're trying to do a lot of things, um, so stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Hold on. Here so. we go. It's gonna be a fun ride. We'll see what happens. Okay. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.